not an elevated topic, so I need to be down here with you. <laughs> amen. Because we are all in this together. Could I get an amen? amen. Genesis chapter 2, and let me just say this again. A few weeks ago when I started this, we started with a living church and a happy home. The church thrives to the extent that our homes are thriving. And if, 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 if you can't just honestly look at our society today and say, hey, you know what, there is attack against the home. The home is under attack on, on every front, in every way. And uh, so if you can tear down the home, you can tear down the fabric of a nation. And the church is built out of a home. When Paul wants to describe, and we won't have time to read it, but when you read Ephesians chapter 5, when Paul begins talking about a marriage and a family home, he says, wait a minute, I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about the church. And so there's a direct correlation and and, and an integration between the family and the home and the church and how they operate and and just complete similarity. The same way that a man and a woman become one in in flesh and and in spirit in Mary, you and I become one with Christ. Amen. We are married and joined to the Lord Jesus Christ and we become one. Genesis chapter (coughs) 2, excuse me. And verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, how many know that God had commands before there was a law? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I could just go off, but there's a lot of stuff out there that we're not under commandment. Well, then neither. I, what was Adam under? There wasn't no law, but it was under commandment. Amen? He was under God's word. And then the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Okay? To be forewarned is to be forearmed. Amen? Verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good. Everybody say, Not good. It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a what? A helper, not a slave. A helper. Amen. Comparable. Everybody say comparable. Comparable to him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them or whatever Adam called each living creature. That was a name. You ever notice how some things have weird names? That's what happens when you work long hours and get tired. Amen. So anyway, verse 20. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable. Everybody say comparable Comparable. to him. So bestiality is not part of a definition of our sexuality. Thank you very much. Verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a a woman, man with womb. Amen. And he brought her to the man and said, This is now what? Bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. So when God takes a part out of you to make something, how many know you are incomplete unless that part is added back to you? Okay. Therefore a man shall leave. Everybody say leave. Leave. 
a man shall leave his father and mother, not get married and live with his father and mother. And let me just back up the truck just a little bit. When God made man, before he gave him a wife, he gave him a job. He put him in the garden and said, this is your job, dude. And when you get, do your job and I'll give you a wife. Ladies, if you find a man who doesn't have a job, he's not a man yet. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just living from the beginning. I'm a, guy, I'm a guy of original intent. Original intent. In the beginning. Now, if you want to live from what it's become, that's your choice. But if you want to turn out right, go back to the beginning and find out how it was supposed to work. All right. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Not separate. One. Not cohabitating, one. Ma ma Mary. Hey, you know, it, I do not, if you ask me over for cake, and you do not bake it by marrying the ingredients together until they lose their individual identity, you can eat it yourself. Because <laughs> I'm not going to eat a little bit of flour, a little bit of egg, a little bit of cornstarch, a little bit of lemon coloring, whatever, a little bit of chocolate icing, and call that cake. And you can't hold on to your individual identity in a marriage and call it a marriage. Yeah. All right. So now stay with me. And so, and, and then this is the best part, verse 25, and they were both naked. Woo! <laughs> the man and his wife. And they were not ashamed. Somebody say amen. amen. How many knows that's good news on a Sunday morning if you're married? Right. Says the man and his wife were naked. Said not the boy and his girlfriend. Said not the two. Now, now listen, listen. I have no problem talking about shacking up. Because if you are, you're out of the will of God. God didn't say they would shack up together. God said they would get married. And the problem is when the church doesn't address all the issues, then when you try to talk to the real issues that we think we should talk about, the world calls us hypocrite because we're not talking about adultery. We're not talking about fornication. We're not calling people into accountability. We're just picking out somebody else's sin. So the Word of God says that there's a right way to have a relationship. And if you go back to the beginning, it, sex was made for a man and a woman. That's it. In a covenant relationship called Mary. A lot of us have pain in this room today because we had sex out of the original plan. And we have consequences. We've had to try to overcome that and deal with that because sex wasn't created for an orgasm. It was created to, cre to produce life. And when you live for the pleasure of a moment instead of understanding the principle of life, you end up with pain that should have never been there. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 7. Turn there real quickly. I have to read this before we can run through the lesson this morning. I'm going to cover all 10 points in this lesson in the next 25 minutes. And there are naysayers in the building this morning. 
Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Jesus saying, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, everybody say does them, will be likened to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now let me just say this. The sayings of Jesus are not just the beatitude. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. So everything in your Bible from lid to lid is His sayings. Living by the Word of God. Applying the Word of God to your life. Therefore... He built his house upon a, the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall. Everybody say it did not fall. For it was founded on the rock. Now everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, doesn't follow the original intent, wants to redefine however you go down that road, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains descended the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall so what's going to happen jesus said hey warning wind rains floods opposition circumstances situations are going to come if you want to be able to endure and to have a life have a marriage have everything that stands then build it on the word of god look at your outline this parable applies to the home life. The marriage license and the ceremony only, only give us just the ability, is only just the ability to enter the door of a house as a husband and wife. Where you begin, everybody say begin, to build a happy home. Jesus taught us that everyone does not build on the right principles. And when the real tests of life come... If the home was built on sand, it will collapse. No home is happy just because it's happy. Rather, it is happy because those living there desire and decide to have a happy home. In desiring this happy home, they learn to solve problems that arise and that are created by marriage. How many when you got married, you found out it, it, it came with some problems? Marriage creates a whole new set of issues. And so problem solving is a big part of a happy home. Come on, guys. No home is happy by accident. Oh, they're so happy together. That's not just because they have like fairy dust sprinkled on their head. Come on. We choose to make our home happy. You will be preparing constantly and working constantly for a happy marriage. If you're going to have a happy home, you're going to prepare to have it, and you're going to work to have it the rest of your life. Key number one, make your husband or your wife your companion. Make them your companion. Begin breaking old ties with what your life used to rotate around. If, listen, if you're not ready to cut some things off, you have no business joining. You're not ready. So because it, that, in the beginning it said leave and cleave. That means leave everything, not just the things that you think are disposable. Breaking ties with what? Listen to what he said. Leave, let him leave his father and his mother, family, friend. The virtue of getting married disqualifies you from some other thing. If you don't want to be disqualified, don't enter into this. Or that's the number one problem you will face from day one. The things you're not willing to leave in order to cleave. 
friends, activities. You both cannot participate in the things that divide you and don't unite you. 1 Peter 3 and verse 7 says you are heirs together of the grace of life. So learn to be a companion to your spouse. In other words, get married because you like each other. Not lust each other. Not just because you want to have, you know, uh, uh, sanctified sex. I'm serious. But because you actually like each other and you like spending time together when you aren't having sex. I'm going to talk a lot about sex in church. Amen. People say, why? Because that's where mar- marriage fails because people have sex outside of marriage. Marriage fails because they have wrong ideas about sex. All kinds of stuff. Three things. Write these down somewhere on your neighbor's forehead. There's no room on your outline anywhere. <laughs> Communication, sex, and money. The three major issues of any marriage. Communi- how you communicate, how, you, how you re- your intimate relationships are, and how you handle your money. Amen. The three main issues. Key number two. On the other hand, don't be so selfish with one another that no self-pleasures can be enjoyed. Because you guys, Pastor Sue and I have totally different interests. She shops, I have to make money, okay? So, we have, we have totally different interests, okay? I fish, I shoot things, I, 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 I like to hit balls, throw balls, I like to do sports. She has no interest. She says, I watch, it's cool, okay? But as far as that, but I don't expect her to go, I don't expect her to become. But in that, you, sti- you don't take away individual identity, so you don't smother each other. You have become one, but you are still individual. Don't try to totally eliminate this individuality. Remember, though, your companion is more important than your individuality and the activities connected to it. When it's all said and done, if you're going to divide over activities, guys, you are stupid. Seriously. When people, she never lets me. Wait a minute. What's better, being able to go play or have a life companion? What's more, what's more value? Because there's going to come a time when you're too old to play, when, when certain things you can't perform, you know, whether it is sport. Well, I played baseball in high school. I want to play my whole life. Well, dude, one of these days you won't even be able to pick up a bat, let alone swing it. And if you do swing it, everything's going to go out of joint. <laughs> and so when you get to that age, you might want somebody still on your team, which would be your wife. Hallelujah. Are we doing all right? Okay. Key number three, make sure when you marry that both you and your mate have the qualities of maturity in your character. Make sure that you are mature. You are grown up. Marriage is not for immature people. You listen to people, and it doesn't amount to spit. And we're fighting, we're mad, and we're throwing things at each other. Okay, what's this about? I don't know. We're just enjoying the battle right now. So know the qualities of a young woman that a young woman should have before marriage. Guys, you need to know what those qualities are. And ladies, you need to know what the qualities of a mature young man are before you enter into marriage. Marriage is not for kids. How many remember the old commercial? Tricks are for kids. 
Okay? There's some things that are for kids, but marriage is not for kids. It's not for immaturity. That'll rise up and bite you. Key number four. Know that weeds grow more quickly and are stronger than flowers. How many know if you just look at a flower sideways, it like dies? <laughs> and a weed, you can spray it with Roundup 37 times and it's there. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> it, and they said it, it didn't kill the roots. It didn't even like kill the flower. So weeds are strong. Flowers take work and time to cultivate. Think about it. What are the weeds? There's weeds that can grow the very first week of marriage. Acts of unlove, no self-control, unkindness, pride, lust, anger, envy, hurt, resentment, jealousy, guilt, mistrust. And the list is ad infinitum. It continues. And these can immediately appear in your marriage. They are the sandy foundation that produce a shattered home. They must be fought against and controlled for a home to become a happy home. The tendency is, though, for the negative and the unkind to come out immediately. And all of a sudden, we're, it was all good, and we're dating, we're recording, we're having all fun, and now we're here, and they're not going home. And we're, we're never apart, and we're here, and then, ah, and... Hello. And so the flowers of a happy home, though, are this. Love, forgiveness, self-control, joy, unselfishness. I want to underline that one. Unselfishness. Goodness, thoughtfulness, trust, mercy, kindness, confidence, giving. As Paul said in Galatians chapter 5. These will not come easy, but they are worth fighting for, guys. And they are the solid rock foundation of a happy home. You're going to have to fight to destroy mistrust, doubt. Everybody, please look up here for a moment. Come on. If you were violated in a trust way by somebody in your life prior to getting married, please do not bring that mistrust into your marriage. Or you're going to make the person you just got married to accountable for your pain. And you're, out of that brokenness, you're going to be looking and judging their actions out of that mistrust. And you're going to be saying, this feels like that. But this is not that. This is this. And this needs to stand on its own merits. Amen. Amen. But, but if you apply and da-da-da-da-da, I've had people, it doesn't matter what, these truths apply to every relationship. So if you apply this on any area, it's just like whether it's a job, whether it is church, you come here and you had church problems, you had church pain. I'm sorry that we're, you got hurt someplace else. We aren't them and we didn't do that. And so, well, this looks like that. No, this is this. That was that. This is this. And, you, and we have to deal with this based on the merits of this. Even in a job, well, you're just like my old boss. No, I'm your new boss. I don't know what your old boss was, but this is new. Hello. And so same thing. But that breaks down and that mistrust. You have to fight to destroy that. Doubt, guilt, inferior feelings, resentment. That list continue. And you have to fight to build confidence, trust, Cleanness. Please underline cleanness. Have clean thoughts. Pure thoughts. Hope and faith. Key five. Acquire a real love for your mate. 
I would say, when I say that, a real love for your mate means that you love the weird and the dumb and the stupid and the stuff that infuriates you about them. In spite of all that, you love them. I love you. And they love you with your list. Amen? So notice the word acquire. Acquire. Because it is possible you probably didn't have it when you got married. What people call love today cannot be love or there would be no divorces and annulments in the first year of marriage. If you loved each other, this thing would not fail. Because love endures all things. Love endures. It doesn't fail. Love and Yeah, but you don't know. We don't want to know. Point number C, you don't know, is your excuse for you bailing out. Amen. Point number C, there are three Greek words used for love in the Bible. One is eros, which is erotic, sensual, pornographic, sexual gratification. Emotional love. Philo, which is this, brotherly love, fondness. So when we hug and I say, is your pa- oh, man, I love you. Come on, that's a brotherly love. We're supposed to have that in the body of Christ, brotherly love. Amen. And Lord willing, we're supposed to have agape love for one another. Amen. And with that. And so you can only have Eros love with the one that you are connected to in marriage. Could I get an amen? Amen. Point number D. Many marriages begin, and the agape love is what we hear in John 3.16. It's sacrificing, giving love. God so loved the world that He gave of Himself for you and I. Many marriages begin in love out of the first two areas of eros or philo, which is infatuation love. We've heard it, puppy love, love for a celebrity, a singer. People, oh, I love, I love. You don't love them. No, not in that way. It comes suddenly. Looks only on the part of the relationship that meets immediate expectation. It's centered really in me and my. It's based on fantasy and wishful thinking and not reality. If married in that stage, it leads to frustration. So it takes more than just that. Some of the other areas are conditional love. I will love you if. And it's based on bargaining. If married... That won't work. For new demands will always be made. And pretty soon, that type of love will bankrupt a relationship. Amen? Then there is sexual appeal. So much is based upon that today. Amen? And we're all trying to maintain it. Dude, give it up. It's a losing battle. That's why you get married and you stay with a partner for life and you just enjoy the process together. Well, can you please look like, you know, it's like the... And so now we're trying to appeal and to attract and to do all this stuff. And today, you don't know whether you're seeing the real person or not. And then there is possessive love based on fear of losing. You're so afraid that you just put your over-possessive. What are you doing? Where are you going? What are you doing? And then there is romantic love. Comes from watching and reading too many stories. Get rid of your Harlequin romance novels. 
Love's long journey. All that stuff. Get, no. No. <laughs> then there's insecure love. Or deceitful love, which is always built on a lie. You find out that there was a lie beneath it. There's insecure love, which is always, do you really love me? Do you really love me? Do you really love me? What? And then there's eight, mutual destructive love. We got married to fight. Hallelujah. Got tired of going to the bars and picking fights, so I married a wife. Hallelujah. Every Friday night, we throw down. <laughs> what is that? It's mutually destructive love. What is that? That's a love-hate relationship. Love, that, that won't work. And then there is the two-against-the-world love. Young people get into that a lot. Your family life isn't right. Things aren't going here. So you meet somebody, and deep inside you're saying, we'll show them. We'll go build our own life. And so it's us against the world. That won't work either. All of us have some of these traits in our marriage from time to time. But if our love does not grow and move to agape love, our home will not be happy. It won't be happy. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to read this with you. Are you doing all right this morning? Come on. If we can get your home happy... The church can flourish. The church can flourish. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And just read. Look at verses 4 through 7 with me. Look at this. Love suffers long. And is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not speak. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Amen? Come on, that's our goal. We want that kind of agape love. Amen? And that is love at the expense of self. It is love that is centered in the will and not emotion. It is love that desires to give. Key number six, know that it is more important for you to become the right person than it is for you to marry the right person. It is more important what you become than what they are. Okay? Because, first of all, you're never going to find perfect. Because Sue already married me, so I'm sorry. And see, and you're all going, because you know it's impossible. Nobody's perfect, amen? And just so you can get it straight, you are not all that in a bag of chips. Nobody is. I didn't get any amens right there, President. So what does that mean? It means you have to invest, make an investment of yourself into your marriage. In other words, I must become the per- I must become. Everybody say I. Come on, I must become the person who forgives, who enjoys 
being myself, senses other feelings, needs, relates warmly and gently with people, knows humor but is realistic, develops a work capacity, can trust, on and on. I can do my... I cannot do my mate's part in a marriage. I must do my own part in marriage. And you can't expect the mate to do your part. You do yours, they do theirs. Amen? Without, a personal, without personal growth and change, even the right person won't be able to put up with you forever. People leave churches going and looking for the perfect. I'm out of here, I'm going to look for a church. Good church. Problem is, when you get there, it'll be flawed. Amen. Point number seven. <laughs> yeah. Deliberately make your marriage a Christian marriage. Deliberately make your marriage a Christian, a God-centered marriage. What do I mean by that? I mean begin with God and live everything out from God. Begin with God, begin in God's house, build everything on the foundation of being believers together first and foremost. You've heard me tell the story when Pastor Sue and I were engaged, a missionary came to New Life Assembly. I got challenged to the core in my, in my heart. I laid on the altar for 45 minutes after service. I drive her home. We started dating in February. We were scheduled to be married in October. This was the summer, somewhere in the middle of the summer there. And, and, and I'm just rocking to my core, I pull in her driveway and I say, I need to know, before we go any further, and see, listen, we're engaged, the date, we're the, the planning, we're, we got money, invest, all that stuff, but I said, before we go any further, I need to know, if God calls me to be a missionary to India, what are you going to do? I said a little nicer than that. <laughs> But that, I said, I need to know. What are you going to do? And she said, if it's God, I'll go. I said, okay, cool. But I need to know. Because God didn't send us to India. He sent us to Bieber. India would have been preferable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. when I told her where we were going, I said, I feel God. We're going to Bieber. She said, God will have to speak to me in an audible voice. I, and I think it's unfair because she went with me, so she's heard the audible voice of God I never have. <laughs> Messed up. Amen. All right. <laughs> so live your life out from the house. Live your life out from the house of God. Sue and I met in church. We, 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 we got married in church. And we've lived our life out of serving God. That's what I'm... Live your life out of serving God. Because if you try to live and then add God to your life, God will always get shortchanged. And you'll find yourself with problems you would have never had if you would live your life out from a God-centered life. Loving and serving God adequately will help us love and serve each other. Mark chapter 12, verses 29 and 30. The young man comes and said, Lord, you know, what do I do to be saved? Jesus said, keep the commandment. And he says, what is the greatest commandment? And the young man said, hey, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Your wife is your closest neighbor. 
Okay? Love your neighbor as yourself. You become one flesh. So love each other together. Listen, what's most important is to make the rest of your life work. What is it? To love God and then others as yourself. To make life work. Keep a good attitude towards God, church, Bible, and morality. These have a sanctifying power to keep marriage together. Every marriage needs a rope and a foundation to hold it together in the storm. Church, God, and faith are just such anchors. Amen? Key number eight. Understand that men and women are not alike. I'm not pulling out the stuff again today. All right? Man and the, is made in the image of God, but not complete. So God created woman not like man. Everybody look up here. Do we understand that so far? That they are different. Okay? But to complete man. And I gave you a couple weeks ago the lock and key. Now listen, lady. Listen. This is what I said. I meant that I got reprimanded because I said I was a male chauvinist pig and my wife sent me all the definitions. What I meant by that. (laughs) You can't say that, dear, in church. You can't say that. You can't say that. And you can't say that. And you can't say that. (laughs) what I meant is by that that people on the outside when you go back to original intent and you go back to things it sounds like God is suppressing women and so today we hear equal pay for equal work and women should be CEO and women should be boss and women should be come on we're losing the identity of what this is woman was never to be the provider man was to be the covering and the provider and there's a lie that has come in that it says that women can't do that and so now when you tell that the woman is supposed to love and obey and be submitted to her husband and come under the authority of recovery. Well, I ain't saying that. My God, bless God. I love God, but I ain't saying that. Hello? And so we have all these areas, but, but when the Gloria Steinem and all these guys come in and women's right, and now, and da 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 and da 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 and da 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 and we're doing all this stuff, and so it changes you, and women want to be the same as men. And that's a lie from hell. And it's not, that's why I say, lady, I said it a couple weeks, ladies, you are the most amazing creation that God, he made everything and go, it's good. And he makes you and go, it's just like I said, she got to hear the audible voice of God. I just had a stirring. But God made woman and he goes, dude, that's very good. He looks at Adam, he goes, that's very good. Everything, all of, look at, out of all of creation, you got the only very good. So why do you want to lower yourself to good? I want to be equal to man. Well, come down a notch. Come on down. Because you, you, then you gotta, you got to be able to, you got to be able to do, come on. You got to be able to scrap, you got, hello. Come on down, the water's fine. Let me be equal as man, glory to God. If I was you, I would stick with very good. Very good. 
Come on, the lock and the key illustration was based on this, that all locks are not alike and all keys are not alike. Each lock has its key and each key has its lock. All locks are not keyed alike. This means the, the key may go in, but it doesn't turn. And that's what the world says. Hey, just keep finding. Come on, you need to know that that's your lock and that's your key before you try to unlock. Some of you get that on the way home. So God's designed men and women to have a match. A match. Think about that. Today we have eHarmony. Match.com. They even have Farmers.com. <laughs> Pastor Sue heard that commercial. She goes, is that a prank? I said, no. It's a, it's like <laughs> For farmers only. <laughs> That's awesome, amen. All right. So there's, there's a match for you. Wait, wait. There's a match for you, amen. So, but it was never to be two locks and two keys. I'm just saying. Differences are what lead to the excitement. Your mate's differences are there to complement you and excite you and complete you. Because they were made for you. Amen? Think about this. The point is our bodies were created differently by God to complement. Don't gripe. Don't gripe about your body. All the differences, if looked at properly, will only complement and complete each other. We are not good or complete alone. I'm thankful for the differences between my wife and I. Amen? Key number nine, learn to communicate. Everybody say, could we skip this one? <laughs> communication, talk to any marriage counselor, anywhere. Communication is the number one problem in relationships and in marriage. Communication means knowing. Everybody say knowing. knowing. We communicate when we both know what we're talking about. Hello? In a marriage, this is called the knowing of two people. It's called the knowing of, and, and it's a type of knowing that goes with intimacy. When it says in Genesis chapter 2, or, or chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived. So the knowing and the knowledge and the, uh, of, of communication between two people comes with the intimacy and communication of relationships between a man and a woman. It is the knowing of two people. Two things are required for communication. One, the speaker, and two, the hearer. And some of you guys have a male deficiency disease like me. That's why, ladies, come on, you come on down here if you want. But our deficiency is, is we don't hear well. And then we want, yeah, and then we wonder why she's mad because you're not listening. Amen. Why is it not working? And so we create frustration doing that stuff. And then on the other part of that, ladies, part of that is, is that there is, a, there, there is a speaker and a hearer. But sometimes you can't always be speaking. Sometimes our ears need a break. 
That's why Mark Gunger said, God knew when He made us, He took some of the talking out of us. So when He made us incomplete, He added you so we get more words in our life. But He also gave us a box where we retreat called the nothing box. And it frustrates because everything in guys' life is boxes. It's a grave. You haven't seen the Mark Gunger thing, you need to. But He said, guys put everything in boxes and we don't blend our boxes together. You guys just have everything mixed up like spaghetti. With the sauce on it and stirred up. And you go in a bazillion directions. And, and we like, when we come home from work, our favorite box is our nothing box. And when you ask us, what are you thinking about? Our response is, it's a wonderful place. Amen. And so, but guys, we have to be able to be a speaker and to hear and vice versa. It has to interchange for there to be a knowing and be communication. You will never have a happy marriage until you both learn to speak and to listen. 35 years of marriage, I am still in kindergarten. <laughs> Amen. Know that when communication falters, your marriage is in trouble. When two people quit talking, they're in trouble, guys. Amen. Even sex is called knowing. Because for sex to be complete, it has to be more than an act. It has to be more than an act. It has to be communication. Communication involves work, sensitivity, care, intimacy, pain, patience, being naked, exposed. Hebrews 4.13 says, Every person is exposed and naked before God, before whom we have to give an account. And so when God communicates with us, He strips us down and makes us bare. That's why Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is sharp and powerful and quicker than any two-edged sword to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow and the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. And when the Word of God comes and does that, it leaves you completely exposed so that when you try to argue with God, you have no covering of argument. And there has to be that place in knowing between a man and a woman. When it says Adam and Eve were naked together, the man and the woman were naked together, and they were not ashamed, there has to be that same uncovered exposure in communication. Are you with me this morning? In order to have real communication. For communication to work, the supreme goal in marriage is to know and to be known and still love. I'm amazed after 35 years, my wife knows me and still loves me. Amen. For communication to work. That's why she writes me. You can't say this. You can't say that. You can't say this. <laughs> Trying to help. For communication to work, two things must never happen. Lies and deceit. And while we're on that, some of you notice when, when Pastor Sue's in here, she's in with the children this morning. But when she's in here, you'll notice she sits and she looks like this. She never, that's her posture of intercession. <laughs> and she's praying, helping Jesus, helping Jesus. Because <laughs> she knows me, amen. Last point, number 10. Because I hear you guys, you hear me say something, you look over at her and she just. <laughs> you go, everybody's laughing, she's sitting there. Just saying. You notice very seldom do I look over there. 
I've only been over there twice, and she's not there. It's a safe place. Yeah. <laughs> Last point, number 10. Bill, if you'll come to the keyboard. Learn to deal with problems. Learn to deal with problems. Everybody look up here. I have three words for you. Suck it up. We live in such a sissified country. We are excused. Dude, deal with it. Suck it up. Come on. Make this thing work. Come on. Don't wimp out. Anybody can wimp out. Anybody can back out. Anybody can give up. Anybody can. Because what you, listen, in any relay, what you don't get right here, you go to church here, you think I'm going to go to another church. What you couldn't do here, you'll have to do there. If you leave her to go for another her, you have to, what you didn't do with her, you're going to have to do with her or with him either way. What you don't get right here, you will have to get right there. What you didn't deal with here, you will have to deal with there. Separation doesn't solve the problem. It only puts distance between it. Amen. So learn to deal with problems. Your problem is not unique or unsolvable. All marriages have problems. I'm the chief problem of my marriage. Amen. I'm a, I'm, I trip myself out at stuff I do. <laughs> That's why after 35 years, my poor wife sits there like this. <laughs> Amen. So So the problem isn't the problem. The problem isn't the problem. The problem is the problem solving. Okay? The answer. Illustration. Ladies, let me again bite you down to our level. Man, when he drives a car, if his oil light comes on, he has a problem. He, after all the attempts to correct it, fail. So man's answer is get a hammer, break the light. <laughs> the light goes away, the problem's gone. Come on down, ladies. Come on down to good. Leave very good. Come on down. Amen. Yeah. Amen. The first thing in problem solving is identify the true problem. Identify the true problem. Yeah. And the back door. Amen. Talking can help. Counselors can help. I hate marriage counseling with a passion. people don't want to listen to answers they want to bicker about each other they're convinced that the one they fell in love with and gave their life to that that's the biggest problem in their life the biggest problem is probably the stuff that's crammed between your ears that you're not willing to flush out of your life and you don't want to change and we'll go back to some of those other issues and the things you don't want to leave to cleave and all that other stuff is your problem and you not wanting to become the best the right person in the marriage you're wanting them to become because if they would change you wouldn't have a problem but you're the problem that made them act that way so so you got to talk about it amen and let me just say this on your pro- give it some value 
Come on, is this worth taking a bullet for? Are you willing to die over this? Are you willing to divorce over this? Because if you don't, this is going to sow a seed that's going to create a root of bitterness that's going to be built upon and built upon and that root's going to grow and you may go back and you may know you may wake up one day and say wow where'd my marriage go but it was all these little problems that you would just never just let go and say this isn't even worth dealing with we could let this thing slide but it kept compiling and compiling and compiling and it's the mass of a bunch of sand that became a weight when just if you'd have just thrown it away one grain at a time it had never crushed you the second thing is the solution. There are many solutions to, many, to, any, to any problem. Talking is the start, but it's not the solution. There must be an action step. Every problem, guys, has its own answer. Find yours. It'll take some compromise on both sides. We must find the place of agreement. Amos 3.7 says this, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? No. Think about it. Some of you, your problems will be anger and how to handle it. Come on, if you get angry easy, just work on yourself. Don't make little things big issues. The uniqueness of the male and the female, it's true. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I watched my poor wife, the ladies' women's conference coming up. Today, we're going to move chairs. They get a boutique. They get flowers. They get decorations. Guys go, okay, is it going to be fun and is there food? That's it. That's it. Will there be decorations? Who cares? Will there be a fork? And the ladies goes, yes, there will be decoration. There will be little flowers coming up. And there will be, we'll tie napkins. And we'll do this. And we'll put fluffies everywhere. And we'll have sprinkles everywhere. And, and you will get a little handbag. And you'll have a gift bag. And you will have a note. And you'll have a little water with a label on it. And you'll have a little, a little bookmark. And have to say the conference on it. And you'll be beautiful. And then we'll have a drawing. We'll have waffles. And we'll have fun. So, so, so some of your problems will be, and the women go, you just going to eat that with your hands? Yeah, it's the quickest way to my mouth. <laughs> so some of your problems will be the uniqueness of the two. In other words, let me say it one more time. Come on down, ladies. So think about it. Some of the other things will be your in-laws who should never become your outlaws. And remember that. Let me say this to both husbands and wives. Never make your spouse marry your family. Come on, guys. Knock it off. Never make your spouse marry your family. Okay. Because the part of leaving and cleaving when you leave, you're supposed to go start a new family. And you can invite your family in for visits. But never make your life center around the family that you were supposed to leave. Because one or the other spouses, because you can't do that with both families. And so somebody's going to resent, well, we're always in your family, your family. So don't bring your families into your marriage. Say, bye. 
See you later, Mom and Dad. You're welcome to come over anytime you want. Our house, mi casa, su casa, but then you go back to your casa. <laughs> Amen. And parents, when you go into their house, realize when your kids get married, they establish a new line of authority. From that moment on, you have no more voice of authority. You are a conscientious observer. And the great part is, you get to go watch them get it right. You get to go into People ask me, say, Dad, what do you think now? I don't know. I'm just a spectator. It's awesome. I have no responsibility. It is awesome. Amen. So now watch. In-laws, money, sex, offers of infidelity, selfishness, the good old days. Come on. Doesn't matter if the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Now we're into the O's. If your best days were the O's, you're in trouble. Danny Gokey sings a song. He says this, my best days are ahead of me. And that should be your view on your marriage, your life. Your best days are ahead of you. Amen? So a happy marriage is something you must work out and build. Every relationship we have in life could become better if we would work at applying these truths and principles daily to them. The best, guys, is yet to come. And when the home and our marriages are in order, we are free to serve the Lord with the greater peace. The church then thrives and souls are added to the kingdom. And God is glorified through our homes and through our lives. If you're here today in your marriage, would you just stand? Father, today I pray over our homes. Lord, we know the devil from beginning has attacked the home. He comes in speaking to one to influence another. He spoke to Eve to influence Adam. God, he's the great divider. He's the great destroyer. He's the one who tears down. He steals. He kills. And he destroys. And Father, today I pray over every home and every marriage represented in this building this morning. Father, first and foremost, I pray your love over them. I pray your wisdom over them. Father, I pray discernment over their marriages, God. I pray your grace, your peace, your strength, and your comfort over them. Holy Spirit, I release you into these homes. Bring your peace, bring your wisdom, bring your truth, and bring your unity into their lives, Father. Cause that bond of peace to knit them together. Father, let every home, God, every one of us has struggles, every one of us has our issues, but God, you ordain this thing called marriage and the home. It is who we are. It represents, it gives us a living illustration. We live in the illustration of who we are with you because when we join with you, new life flows out of our union. And when we join as man and wife, new life flows out out of that union and life is perpetuated and it goes from 
generation to generation. God, let us establish our home that will be generational home, that will pass on success, that will pass on virtue, that will pass on truth, that will pass on fidelity from one generation to next. We could stand here this morning and be a group of people who put our foot down to preserve and to protect what you ordained in the beginning, Father. So I pray your blessing over your marriages and over these homes in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give the Lord a good praise this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, everybody that's married, sit down just for a second. Everybody that's wants to get married, stand up. Now, Father, I cast out stupid right now in Jesus' name. (laughs) Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray your wisdom over every life. Father, that each one standing here would know what it need is needed in their life to be mature as a man or a woman before they enter in and engage into this union. Father, I believe with all my heart that you ordained a mate for each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray over each one that they wouldn't be moved out of sense of fear or necessity or desire or the wrong motive, but God, they would allow you Lord, your word said, you said in Proverbs that fathers can give lands and houses and heritages, inheritances to their son. But only God can give a man a virtuous wife. So, Father, I pray that our young ladies would be women of virtue. I pray that our young men would be men of integrity and honor. God, I pray your blessing over their life, that you will direct them and lead them by your spirit in their choices. Father, I pray for the match that you've ordained for their life. Holy Spirit, thank you for being their leader, their teacher, their comforter, and their guide. Thank you for giving them the strength to walk in purity and holiness and preserve themselves in your sight. Thank you for giving them the courage to build their lives centered out of your house and your will for their life. I pray your blessing over them in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Give the Lord one more good praise. Hallelujah. All right, that was a little longer than 25 minutes. But I love you. God bless you. Have a great day. Tonight at 6, we have prayer. Come and pray and intercede with us. Please, Tuesday night. Everybody say Tuesday.